Amen. Well, this morning, as uh, Pastor John said, uh, it's great to have uh, Pastor Bill with us. Um, he is someone that I, be honest with him, just met this morning, but his ministry I've met uh, many years ago. Um, his uh, church uh, is is one that also helps and hosts a camp called High Point, and uh, and I've known uh, quite a few um, teenagers that have gone through that camp. Uh, in fact, some went to the Bible college that I went to, and uh, they spoke very highly of what they learned, what God did in their life. Some of them, they were called uh, into ministry at that camp, and uh, it's just, it's, it's a blessing to, to see and to know uh, a man of God that doesn't just have a heart uh, for the church, uh, though we do as pastors, that is our first love, but but also for those ministries that are continuing the mission of the church, which is to reach others and and uh, and share the gospel and, and really challenge uh, this next generation uh, to follow after God, to serve God with their life. And, and Pastor Bill and, and his church and ministry have done that. And in fact, even uh, as I as I was talking to him just right before uh, we started our service this morning, uh, he was telling me for over 30 years he's been going to South America doing camps and uh, and, and, and just doing what God has uh, led him to do and gifted him to do. And, and so it is just, it's really an honor, a privilege to have uh, Pastor Bill with us this morning. So Pastor Bill, if you would come and uh, share with us what the Lord has laid on your heart. And if you would, uh, this morning, let's go ahead and welcome Pastor Bill to Bethany Baptist Church. Thank you, sir. Well, I need to say good morning. That was fair. Maybe we need to start all over again and try that again. It was good morning. Good morning. Wow, that's great. That's great. The quiet one on the third row is, is, is going to keep you awake during the service this morning. Uh, it is a privilege for us to be here. I say myself and my wife and our friends that are working out at the camp. Uh, I have to admit, you know, even though I've been in uh, this situation pulpit many, many, many times, I, I get a little nervous. And so I like to find out some things about people uh, while we're there because we kind of need to get on a first-name basis, all right? And, and you already know that, I think you know, my first name is Bill, all right? So I want you to introduce yourself. I'm going to say, my name is Bill, and I want you to speak out loud and say what your name is. is that, do you ever all understand that? You sure? You all listen? Do you mean to speak in Spanish or English? If it's Spanish, you're in big trouble because I can't speak Spanish. Are you ready? My name is Bill. Oh, I, I, I honestly, I didn't, the, the folks in the back row, I didn't hear that at all. And uh, I've got most of those in the front. Sir? Okay. Mike's here. Good. Let's, let's try this again. My name is Bill. No, that's neat. Now we're on a first name basis. Even those two little babies spoke out loud. And, and that's fantastic to identify who they are. Uh, I, I lived in Dallas, believe it or not. Uh, I went to Dallas Theological Seminary way back in the 60s, and um, I have to admit, I kind of really enjoyed the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, well, hold it now. Let's not get carried away. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but I, I live in 
Pennsylvania, and we have the Pittsburgh Steelers, and we have the Philadelphia what? Eagles. Now, I, I want to just find out. Just in a minute, I want you to respond out loud. But what I want to ask you is, what's your favorite football team? Okay, in a minute, hold it. Be careful. Not yet. And I just want to hear. So since I now all you know your first names, uh, I, I need to know what team you're for. Is that okay? So, and uh, are you ready? What's your favorite football team? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I didn't understand a word. There were so many teams yelled about or yelled at. And uh, so let's try it one more time. Uh, please don't get too loud. God may be upset, upset with us having fun. So let's not get carried away here. Okay. What's your favorite team? Oh, my You brought a cup with you. Oh, my. Is that for the baby? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, we're enjoying being in Texas. I've been in Texas a couple times. In fact, this year I was a, had a wedding in Dallas. And uh, we, we love your food. And we went to a Mexican place the other night. Wow, that was fantastic. And we appreciate that. Uh, my son and his wife, Jared and Naldi, uh, went to the institute here to learn Spanish. Of course, Naldi was raised in South America, so obviously she can speak Spanish. My son could speak Spanish before he ever got there, but uh, they went there to help focus his Spanish, to learn a little better how to use the different uh, cases in the Spanish language. And uh, one of the things he said to me uh, after it was all over, he said, Dad, it, it, it taught me to pray in Spanish. I was like, boy, that was interesting. And uh, so I'm not sure whether he prays in English or Spanish now, but I'm sure God can figure it out and, and take care of that. As I've been talking, I've been talking a little bit just simply to say hello, but also to get some information to you. And so you've been handed a little outline. You've been handed a pen or a pencil, and you will be graded by how well you fill this out. And, uh, and if, if you don't fill it out very well, first of all, we won't let you take communion. And we won't take you to McDonald's like we were planning on doing, okay? But do you, do you all have this in your hands? Do you all have a pen? This gentleman right down here is the one with a quiet wife. <laughs> he needs a pen. So if, if somebody's got to get him a pen or he's not going to be able to be part of this. Oh, he's got one. He's in great shape now. Thank you for running out there and trying to figure that out. Uh, I want you to write something across the top of this, this page that's not printed here, and it's not printed intentionally because I want you to write it. Here it is. Just kind of listen, and I'll go through it slow. Life is choices. Choices have consequences. Make the right choices. Life is choices. Choices have consequences. Make the right choices. 
This morning we're going to focus on 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. If you have a Bible in your hand, perhaps, you have a pen in your hand, perhaps, you have an outline in your hand, perhaps, you're getting a little crowded with stuff. Uh, but we would just love for you to kind of follow along, and uh, Josue made the PowerPoint, which is wonderful, and uh, to help us move through this particular text. If you have your Bibles, you open to 1 Thessalonians. I have to do it first. Uh, two Thanksgivings ago, I had cataract surgery. I'm not that old, but I still need to have cataract surgery. And uh, they didn't tell me you can't read anymore without glasses. Now, maybe that's not the way it was with you, but that's the way it is with me. So I can see really good way back in the back. Jaime's back there hiding. And I can see him, and I can see everything you can do, but when it comes to reading, I'm in tough shape. So I got these to help me read through the scriptures. So I would love for you to just pay attention to the scriptures. And as I read these 12 verses, now you've got a, a little bit of a uh, pen in your hand. There's one word that I'd like you to underline. One word. I'll point it out to you as we go. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus. Here's the word, that. You should abound more and more. Just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Here's the word, that. You should abstain from all sexual immorality. Here it is again, that. Each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Here it is again, that. No one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this, this matter, because the Lord is avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanliness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who reje rejects that does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. But concerning brotherly love, you have no need, here it is again, that I should write to you. For you yourselves are taught of God to love one another, and indeed you do so toward all the brethren who are in Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, to work with your hands, as we commanded you, that you may walk properly toward those who are outside, that ye may lack nothing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are now confronted with your truth. 
in the word of God. And as we are confronted with your truth, we understand that we may have to make some choices. Because these choices we make cause consequences. And as we think about this particular portion of Scripture, help us to evaluate our lives that we would be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for this church, for this ministry, and we're thankful that we could worship you here today. In Jesus' name, amen. As you look at the outline that has been given you, uh, you'll find some things popping up on the PowerPoint that will help even describe things a little more. But we're, we're in this particular passage because of the familiarness it has toward how we need to act and how we need to live. Uh, look down at your Bible, verse 1. It says, Finally, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus. Skipping bound to verse 2. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. This particular words that are used here, the word urge and the word exhort, are extremely strong words in the text. It's almost as if I would be saying to you, the church is on fire, get out of here. That's not true, by the way. But there's an urgency here. There's an exhortation here. And so what he is saying, Paul is saying to the church of Thessalonica, he's giving them very urgent, important, significant information that they need right now. And so as I look at the text and apply it to my heart and your heart, I say, this is for you, this is for me, this is for us right now. So hopefully you'll understand how urgent it is, how personal it is, and how authoritative it is. See, what do you mean by authoritative? Did you notice what it says here in the text in verse 1? It says, finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort. There's those two strong words. And then it says, in the Lord Jesus. And then go down to verse 2. It says, for you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. So what he's saying is, is based on the authority of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, I have a message for you. That's very urgent, very important, and very personal. Now, I'm not challenging you in any sense of the term, but so far, are you listening? Now, notice the title that's there on the top of the page. It says, The Walk That Pleases God. And I want you again to look at verse 1. Verse 1 says, Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus, and here's the that, that you should abound more and more 
just as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God. And again, we need to observe some of the words that are used there. Uh, the first word you want to observe is the word walk. And you notice that at the end of verse 1, how you ought to walk and to please God. The word walk is a very important word here in the text. Uh, I wrote some things down. It doesn't say skip. It doesn't say hop. It doesn't say jump. It doesn't say run. It doesn't say fly. It says walk. I'm not making fun of anyone here, but as we get older, sometimes we older folks stumble. Now, if, if you've been out walking somewhere sometime in the past and you weren't paying attention, how many of you in this room have fallen when you're walking? Anyone? Quite a few, isn't it? You see, it, it takes coordination to walk. It takes concentration to walk. It takes strength to walk. And the word walk here is a very important word, and it's used at other times in the scriptures, not necessarily talking the, the idea of physically walking, taking steps, but it's talking about your spiritual walk. And it's talking about your spiritual walk. It's talking about your behavior. It's talking about your lifestyle. It, it, it's talking about who you are and how you go about living. And he's saying, I'm talking to you about your life. Now, I didn't really spend any time with most of you last week. I hardly know anyone, any of your last names. I know all your first names. And I know what team you root for. Uh, but how did you walk last week? I mean, you're sitting in church. Hopefully, somehow, some way, people saw in you the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice as you look at that title again, it says, uh, The Walk That Pleases God. That word please is a very important word here in the text. It's right out of the Bible. And so the urgency here is, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church of Thessalonica, and he's saying, I want you to be concerned about your behavior, about your lifestyle, but even more than that, I want you to be concerned about your behavior and your lifestyle in relationship to God. Do you please God? Uh, the word please is a simple word. You understand what it means. It means to satisfy God. It, it has the idea to give God pleasure. It, it has as its kind of basis uh, to cause God to smile. Quite a few years ago, I had a, a, a black lab. It was a field trial trained Labrador retriever. And I would go pheasant hunting 
with his black lab. And it was interesting to me, just sometimes, I'd take it to, take it to the, this black lab named Hawkeye to, to a, a, a lake, and we had what we called a bird. It's just a little hunk of rubber, and you throw it out in the water, and the dog is supposed to go get it and then come back. Well, this dog was so well-trained, and I would throw this out as far as I could, which wasn't very far, and that dog would not move a muscle until I looked down and said, okay. And then I looked down and okay, and that dog would run out, dive literally into the water, swim like crazy. Sometimes he couldn't find it. And guess what he would do? He would stop, he'd look at me, and I'd go, this. And that dog would move like that. Pick up that bird, bring it into me, sit right beside me. Then I'd say, drop it. He'd drop it. And I know this may sound like an exaggeration, but boy, was I pleased. Boy, was I pleased. Do you know that that's how God looks at you? God is measuring your life. And as he's measuring your life, he wants you to live a life, he calls it walk, that makes God smile like that dog made me smile. Way to go, Hawkeye. Now, I want you to notice something on the outline you have in front of you. Uh, In bold, bold print. It says, the work of God reveals to us truth about how to walk in a way that pleases God. And notice it says special topics. Uh, Look back in your Bible, verse 1. Verse 1 says this, Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more Just as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God. And if you have your pen or your pencil in your hand under special topics, how you ought to walk and please God. So you can just fill those three blanks in there so that you not forget how significant this spiritual admiration is. Uh, statement is that he's telling you how you ought to walk and to please God. It's interesting. There's a little word used in the text. And, and, and the little word means this. It's absolutely necessary. In other words, there's no way around it. Because as Paul's writing to that church, I am not pleading with you, I'm telling you urgently that you need to know how to walk and to please God. You don't tell anybody about this. We have a little wall by our driveway. It's about oh, five or six feet tall. And uh, probably six or seven months ago, I was doing a stupid thing. I, I walked out to the edge of the wall, and it's really about this long. And I got out on this end. And for some crazy reason, why did I have no idea? I came to a place like this. I looked this way and I stepped that way. I was on the ground. Both hands were cut. My forehead hit the ground. And I was really sore. 
I wasn't walking like I should walk. And the tragedy is, is there may be, I don't know for sure, there may be someone in this room right now looking at last week that you stumbled spiritually. You, you took some steps you shouldn't have taken. And you failed to please God. How you ought to walk. I want you to notice another thing in these special topics. And I want you to see it in the scriptures. That you would just take your eyes down and look at verse 3. And verse 3 says this. For this is the will of God. Guess what I'd like you to write down there. For this is the will of God. Would you say that out loud with me? For this is the will of God. Let's try it again. For this is the will of God. Now, if somebody asks you when you're leaving the building, you're out wherever you're going to be, what was the sermon about this morning? Don't tell them about the Dallas Cowboys. It's about the will of God. Did you ever hear the what we call the Lord's Prayer or better name, the Disciples' Prayer? Our Father, our art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What's the next phrase? Thy will be done. The topic of the will of God is important to God. Is it important to you? Is it important to me? Is it important to us? You say, what is the will of God? Well, it's, it's kind of like God's game plan. It's kind of like God's road map. It, it, it's kind of like God saying, this is what I want you to do. Please do it. We were just talking out in the vestibule. Some of the folks who are on our work team I drove 2,000 miles to get here. They didn't drive with their eyes closed. They had the GPS on, and it was leading them all the way down from Pennsylvania or Michigan, wherever they came from, right out to the camp, and they were just following the game plan. I don't know about you. You may watch football games. I love to watch football games. And you know, ever notice, especially in the professional, uh, that most of the quarterbacks have some instructions on their arm? You ever notice they kind of open it up and talk? Do you understand that somebody's talking in their ear also? The coach up in the box is telling them exactly what they're, they're reading there. They don't get it wrong. That's why God wants you to know the will of God so that you don't get it wrong. That you don't walk and then stumble or walk the wrong way. For this is the will of God. I want you to notice as you kind of turn the page. And you look at the top of the page on the left-hand side. It says this. It says three spiritual guidelines that help you and I to daily live our lives in a way that pleases God. Just kind of read it again. Three spiritual guidelines that help you and I to daily live our lives in the way that God is pleased. Look at verse 3. 
It says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. Up on the PowerPoint, it's going to pop up there. It's just going to make a very simple statement. Walk in purity. And then another statement there, a holy walk. I I don't want you to miss the emphasis in this text on holiness. I want you to notice in chapter 3, verse 13, which is just above verse 4, chapter 1, chapter 4, verse 1, it says this, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness. Then, then notice what it says in verse 3 of chapter 4. It says, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification. That's another word for holiness. And then keep going. Are you still with me? Verse 4 says that each of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification or holiness. And notice verse 7. For God did not call us to uncleanliness, but to what class? That was terrible. But to what class? That was a little better. But to what class? Holiness. Holiness. Thank you, ma'am. I'm glad you're here today. Holiness. You know what holiness means? It means that I am am separated unto God. And I run away from sin. I'm separated from God, and I run away from sin. There are several things in this text that I'd like you to write down. And frankly, they're not pleasant. See, if I'm going to walk in purity, and I'm going to have a holy walk, what are some of the characteristics of that holy walk? Well, I just want you to understand that God is pleased... When we live holy lives. Satan hates it when you live holy lives. I have a little book up here. It's called uh, Winning Your Spiritual Battles. You know what the spiritual battle is? Obey God and be holy. Obey Satan and be unholy. That's the battle. And Satan wants to do all he can with your mind with your will, with your feelings to drive you away from holiness. And we live in a, what I call a a secular, pluralistic, Satan-controlled culture. And you are bombarded with unholiness every time you turn the television on. You're bombarded with unholiness every time you walk through Walmart. Because we live in an, un- in an unholy world, you see. And if you're writing this down on the outline here, the first thing I'd like you to notice is point A in your outline, by the way, is just this whole idea of sexual purity. And you can read in the outline, it has verse 3. And what does it say? It says, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should, here it is, abstain from what class? Fornication. Fornication. Nasty word, isn't it? 
You know, there are three major sins in many people's lives. Money, control, and sex. There are three major sins that ruin marriages. Money, control, and sex. And he's saying very, very clearly here, if you're going to live a pure life, a holy life, and the Bible says it so we don't ever misunderstand it, we need to abstain from fornication. Sexual, titillating circumstances that pop up. I want you to raise your hand when I ask you the next question. How many of you have watched television this week? Take it down. How many of you saw something on television that was inappropriate sexually? That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. I've done a lot of pulpit supply. I'd go into a church and stay for a year or two as the church was in transition going from one pastor to the other. One church was quite large, beautiful auditorium, had a balcony up the top. And I, I, for some reason, I don't know why I even noticed it, I noticed that one particular family did always up in the balcony. There's plenty of room down here. I went up in the balcony. I never said a word. And one day I was painting with the fellow that was up in the balcony. And he said to me, you ever wonder why I'm up in the balcony? I said, yeah, I have wondered why you're up in the balcony. I won't name any names. But he said, did you notice how that family lets their daughters dress? Guess what? I did notice it. And guess what? Totally inappropriate. Can I ask you a very personal question? In, in, in your life, have you been sexually appropriate? That's the first thing about pleasing God. Notice the second one is be in the outline if you're, if you're following along. Look what the Bible says, and you can see the outline. It says it right there. That every one of you know how to possess his vessel in sanctification, that's holiness, and honor, not in the lust of compoop, I can't say it, even as the Gentiles which know not God. Uh, th this is a tough text. Anybody who studies the scripture know that interpreting this particular passage is a, is a tough, is it talking about a person's body? Is it talking about a person's wife? What is it specifically talking about? Well, I'm just going to say, in my outline today, I'm talking about family purity. Family purity, the vessel. And as we're thinking about family purity, uh, we, we need to guard against, here I already asked you this, television that's inappropriate in our homes. And we need to help people guard their eyes as what they see. Because what you see is not always appropriate. Is that right? And a lot of you have computers, don't you? Pornography is prolific in the computers. And any one of these young men sitting here can be exposed to it just like that. Don't misunderstand this last next statement. That's the last thing they need to see. 
That's the last thing they need to get hooked on. That's the last thing that their minds, eyes should be captured by. That's what I mean by family purity. And then there's another one place here you can see there for a point C down the bottom. Look what it says this, that no man, verse 6, go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter because the Lord is the avenger of all such. And I'm just using the word, the third point in the outline, C, is a financial purity. See, that word defraud is an interesting word. It has the idea to take advantage of someone in any way you could take advantage. It could be implications towards sexual things. I'm just applying it to money. Taking advantage of someone financially. I go to horse sales once in a while. Say, why? I just like horses. It's that simple. And I see how much horses sell for. It just happened that someone I knew bought a horse. $2,000. Pretty nice horse. Another person needed a horse. So the individual that I know sold the horse to someone else for $8,000. See, that's $6,000 difference. You may not call that defrauding. You look at it from many different perspectives. But you get the idea that when you take advantage of someone financially, that's sinful. That's stealing. That's defrauding. I'm not necessarily saying that's what happened there, but you get the idea what I'm talking about. What do we what do we hear what do we hear talking about today? We're talking about as we're in the to walk in purity, a holy life, to be involved in sexual purity, family purity, financial purity, so that we honor God in every area of our life as a holy person. Now, I got to ask the pastor something. Did you tell me it was 1.30 we were done? Oh, 12.30. I must have misunderstood. We're having trouble with that 12.30 deal. <laughs> I, want, I want you to look at the, the second area of the outline. Quickly, please. Or I'll get fired before I got hired. <laughs> look at verses 9 and 10. It's up on your right-hand side of your outline there. It says, walk in blank, a blank walk. Uh, if you want to fill it in, just as the PowerPoint shows it, it's, 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 it's walk in passion, a harmonious walk. And as you read the text, that's what it says, verse 9 and 10. But as touching brotherly love, you need that not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed, ye do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia, but we beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more. Now, could you run your eyes over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12? Notice what it says. 
It says, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another. You say, well, that's just what he said in chapter, in verse 4, chapter, chapter 4. He's repeating himself. Wow, that's a smart observation. See, God needs to constantly remind us of our responsibilities. Constantly remind us how he wants us to walk. And he wants us to walk in passion. And that passion creates, uh, is a harmonious walk. The first area of the outline you may want to write down is just simply brotherly love. Notice what the text says. It says it very clearly. Verse 9. And concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you. That word brotherly love is an important love. I come from the area of Philadelphia. The word Philadelphia comes right out of the Greek text. Phileto it is. We don't want to talk about Greek terms here. What's it mean? It means to love my brother. Everyone in this room, even though we don't know each other, if you're part of God's family and I'm part of God's family, you're my brother. You're my brother. And that word brotherly love, it, it talks about affection that demonstrates kindness and gentleness and carefulness. Brotherly love. I need to love my brothers in Christ. And one of the things that happens when I love my brothers in Christ, there's harmony. We get along together. It's better together. Now, I got to warn you right now. You know what Satan wants to do? Satan wants to divide this church. You know what Satan wants to do? He wants to divide every family in this church. You know what Satan wants to do? Satan wants to make things so difficult in this church that you're saying, I'm leaving. What kind of nonsense is that? When we're involved with brothers in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, God said, if you're going to please me, you're going to love the brothers. If you're going to please me, you're going to treat brothers with kindness and care and affection. So that we are together in all that we do. Another word for together, by the way, is fellowship. And we fellowship with one another. And we worship with one another. And we serve with one another. And we work with one another. Why? Because of brotherly love. But it doesn't stop there. Uh, look, look, look as you go and, and, and through the outline. The first is brotherly love. The second one is God taught love. Look what the Bible says. It says, but as touching brotherly love, ye need not know that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God, and this little phrase, to love one another. Now, I only got two more minutes, gang. And I love you. That's why we're staying until 1.30. But, but have you ever heard this word, love one another? Do you know that there are 51 times in the New Testament that the word one another is used? Approximately 15 of those times, it's love one another. 
You know, it's a different word than the word phileo. It's the word agape. You know where that appears in the Bible? Are you ready for this one? Shock, right? For God so loved the world. What did he do? He gave his only begotten son that you and I, us, can have eternal life. That's agape love. That's God-taught love. Uh, that's a love that's deep down in the heart of individuals where they willingly, willingly die for a brother and sister in Christ. God-taught love. And the last one, if you're following along, is expanding love, and we're going to quit. I even hate to say that, but I had to be honest and true and get us down done here so you can get McDonald's and get your page marked and see what it says. But notice what the Bible says. Verse 9. But as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write unto you. For ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed do all it toward all the brethren which are in Macedonia. But we beseech you, brother, that you increase more and more. More and more what? More and more love. Now, my wife and I have been married how many years? I'm going to get shot. 56, 56 years. You know, I can remember, believe it or not, the first time I ever said to her, I love you. I genuinely loved her at that point. 50-some years ago. I told her I loved her yesterday. You know, there's a giant difference. Giant difference. That love that existed as two little kids at Valley Forge Park in Pennsylvania. I love you. And then here we are at Camp Luma de Vida, and I say, hon, I love you. It's a world of difference. Why? Because it's growing love. It's abounding love. It's overflowing love. It's just increasing and increasing and increasing. By the way, did you tell Jesus you loved him today? I love you, Lord. I love you, Betty Jean. That's my wife, by the way. See, this, this idea, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, should be a growing, expanding, abounding love. And as we are involved in walking in passion that produces harmony, and that harmony is built on the unconditional love of God that flows with grace and extravagance and mercy and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I want you to do me a favor, and we are going to stop because it's 1232. I want you to say out loud with me, I love you, I love you, I love you. And then I'm going to say amen and pray. Are you ready? I love you, I love you, I love you. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you that we can learn some things today about how we are to be in Christ and how we are to live according to the will of God.
Help us, Lord, to, to walk in purity. And help us, Lord, to walk in passion. And help us, Lord, to cause you to smile as you see our lives. We thank you, Lord, for this particular day, for this particular congregation, for this particular people, that you would help us to cause you to smile. In Jesus' name, amen.